Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Leadville family, today's guest is retired Colonel Tony Hoffman. And not only has he towed that line in the Leadville Trail 100 run with you, he has also taken his mission further, started a team of veterans uh, t- to go against veteran suicide. They show up each year for the Leadville Trail Marathon, and he successfully crosses that line with them as a team in the end. So without further ado, please enjoy an inspiring episode that is going to give you wings. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Well, Tony, when did Leadville find you? Well, hey, Cole, great question. Uh, It's a little more detailed than a simple answer, but um, (laughs) I, I, I guess I'd summarize it really. I learned about Leadville back in 1995 uh, my wife and i then fiance my wife of 26 years susan who's a very accomplished athlete in her own right we visited uh, a variety of of areas in colorado we were both stationed uh, in the military near fort carson colorado which isn't too far but leadville was one of those places that we kind of did about a five-day tour of different places in colorado and one of them was leadville but really Leadville found me really in 2013 when I chose to to take the plunge and tow the line for the Leadville 100 uh, run. Um, And and I really gained through that and through subsequent runs after um, both the 100 miler and um, the Leadville Trail Marathon really gained a better appreciation for all of Leadville, the history and everything else. So, so really, Really, Leadville found me in 2013, and I felt part of the part of your family after after taking the plunge to compete in one of your endurance events. Well, that's great, but I, I really love that it was part of your five day tour back in '95. Yeah. Boy, that really makes our day as well. Uh, before we dig too much deep deeper into Leadville stuff. Um, let's talk about you and your athletics. What got you interested in running? Did, did, have you always ran? Did you pick it up later in life? I picked it up, Cole. Uh, I had enlisted in the military my junior year in high school under what was called the delayed entry program. I always had a kind of a, an intrigue with the marathon, although I wasn't a really built for running. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, so it kind of, um, when I went to one of the courses as a, as a commissioned officer, I linked up with, with a guy in 1990 while stationed at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. His mother and father had run marathons, and he had completed one. So on a whim, 
he said, hey, let's run a marathon in November of 1990. It happened to be the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. So that was really my first exposure uh, through a friend to kind of get into the marathoning piece back in 1990. So here, 32 years later, um, really continued to do that and then added the ultra piece uh, with the Leadville 100 in particular in 2013. So so it was um, an itch that wasn't fully scratched. A uh, friend who had then talked about it and, and challenged uh, us together to run it. Um, and had a, had, did not have a great day. Uh, we went out <laughs> way too fast. Um, one of the things that I've heard some of your other uh, interviewees state uh, made a mistake. Uh, took us about four and a half hours. Although at uh, at about the eighteen mile mark, I distinctly recall somebody saying, "Hey, they're going at a Boston Marathon pace," and I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but um, we crashed and burned, but we didn't quit. Um, and the last say. 6.2 miles was uh, was not very pretty, but we finished it, Cole. So <laughs> that's what really started back in uh, November of 1990 down the marathon and ultra path, so to speak. Well, I, you know, oddly, I have a similar story. My first marathon was with two Leadville Trail, with the Leadville Trail 100 legacy family, Chisholm, Debbie, and Harry Dupree. And they took me out to Cowtown Marathon because I thought I could do Leadville. And Dad kind of hooked me up with them. And and Chisholm and I went out way too hot. And yeah, 20 miles. Well, Chisholm was still doing okay. I crashed and burned and think it was also a four and a half deal. <laughs> now, but you, you seem to have cracked that code because you've got a pretty impressive Boston record. I think it's what, at 14 today? 14 today. Uh, this will be the first year I did not qualify for the 2022 race. I had uh, 13 in a row, so 2009 to 2022. Uh, but that's okay. I uh, can always restart that. Uh, I've always looked at Boston on the on the asphalt racing, so to speak, as kind of the gold standard for events. So um, it takes time and energy and knowledge. You learn a lot over the years, but uh, and then a lot of that knowledge I've tried to transfer into, say, Leadville and, and the, the events that you have out there, Cole. Well, yeah, and I mean, 14 at Boston is super impressive. I, I've only been once, never thought I would go. Um, what what kept that passion or what was that finish line like for you? Because that's still a, a very powerful, life-changing experience. Uh, amazing finish line, as you know, Cole, for a variety of reasons. One, it's the, it's the oldest uh, marathon in the world. Uh, 1897 is the year it started. Uh, as a result of uh, the Olympic Games, then Boston started their marathon in 1897. The, the key out there really is the people. Um, it is, as you know, uh, coming up here in a couple of days, uh, third Monday in April, Patriots Day. So there's a, a, a tie to the revolution and also uh, a, a, hol uh, a holiday in New England. Mm -hmm. but, but it really is the people. Uh, it is the opportunity for those that qualify or do charity. All of mine have been through qualification, as I'm sure yours was, which, yeah. is, which is tough. Um, I think it's a relationship with the people and the history of the race. Uh, I put it akin to uh, playing in the Super Bowl <laughs> as a non-elite runner, having that opportunity. And what you get is children, grandchildren, parents 
it really is a generational piece where mm-hmm. the folks out in Boston and all of those cities along the 26.2 mile route from Hopkinton to Boston come out. That really is the difference between that and, and other marathons. It, it really is close to the public and they support it. And then you throw the history in and you get the Boston marathon. Well, yes, it is really powerful. Now, let's not get into the why, but you're on a good streak with Leadville marathons. Where are you at on those at this point? Yeah, Cole, uh, this will be, uh, we are signed, I'm signed up for the 2022. This will be uh, eight, eight straight in the Leadville uh, marathon uh, out there. So uh, very pleased with that streak and um and have a group of folks that go out there, as you probably know as well. Oh, yes. We're going to dig into that in a little bit. Now, you've also done over 40 ultras, which is a very impressive record as well. Um, where are you at on the, the road or the trail? Do you do you prefer one or the other, or do you get unique experiences from both? Yeah, Cole, I don't, I don't want to correct you. I don't want to make sure, though, that I'm not false advertising. So, so I've done, uh, I think it's 46 marathons, the ultra piece is not certainly 40 plus um i've done a few hundreds and some 50s but but it's more of a marathon resume but but adding quite a bit from the ultra based on my experience in leadville starting in 2013. um where i'm at now uh, coming off some some injuries and feeling very good right now um still marathoning and doing some ultras uh, don't have a goal with respect to, Hey, got to hit a hundred marathons, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at both the ultras and the marathons as quality over quantity. Okay. So, you know, 14 out of 40, 46 have been in Boston. Others have been qualifying for Boston. And then of course you throw in the Leadville, <laughs> um, hundred as well as the Leadville marathon. And, um, uh, the times may not be as fast out there and there's some reasons for that. We can talk about that, but I look at, um, those are tough races and I, I look at those as kind of the gold standard for both the trail and the racing, say asphalt. Um, I'm a marathoner at heart. I enjoy both, but, but I like to be a Jack of all trades, quite frankly, uh, love the running piece overall. Um, but, but really, um, like to want to be the, kind of the Swiss army knife of being able to do any, any type of race, any type of distance, any type of terrain, um, and, and complete it. I think for me, it challenges myself to just stay in in good shape and have a goal for either the ultras, the trail or, or the, the asphalt racing, as you know, two totally different things with say racing for a Boston marathon time versus a trail run. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's why I guess I'm so intrigued because I do realize that you love the distance and it's really neat to hear your perspective on each because, you know, so many of our athletes are one way or the other, myself included. I'm much more trail oriented and is just kind of a fluke to come back to the marathon for a second. So I, I really admire that you have such a passion, no matter whether it's road or trail. Um, now let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your careers before we go on. Cause I think that's going to be a real important part for our family members to be able to pick up on with what you've done between the two. So you started as an army man. Thank you for your service. My dad, uh, did the same, but 
it's much more for you and you took it much further. You actually earned an appointment, if I'm not mistaken, into West Point and then retired as a colonel after an impressive 26-year career, including a 14-month tour in Iraq. Um, please tell us how you feel about that experience and then also how you relate that to your running and everyday life. Sure, Cole. A uh, lot, lot in there. Uh, first off, thank you for acknowledging that. Uh, I, it's it's kind of difficult for me to often talk about the career because I look at it. it it's been a privilege to lead um, the nation's uh, sons and daughters as a leader in the military. I took a a bit of a circuitous route to the military. (laughs) I was enlisted first, uh, which, and then became an officer, which is not not the norm. It's Um, a very difficult road. (laughs) There's a little bit, a little bit of theme there. Uh, Maybe don't always make the smartest moves right off the bat. I don't don't mean that (laughs) negative. It's kind of funny actually, but it was great. I enlisted uh, what started as a two year enlistment. Cole uh, was planning on trying to put myself through college after one thing led to another applied uh, to the U.S. Military Academy Preparatory School, which was then at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, was accepted because each of the academies has a preparatory school and then received an appointment through a congressman, Arlen Stanglin, from the state of Minnesota, where I'm from, uh, to to get to West Point. Um, Went through the the West Point four-year process, uh, was privileged to go there. Very challenging for me. I grew up in a town of 700 people in rural Minnesota. We had great education, but, but, um, was probably not fully prepared that the, the prep school helped me with that and got through. <laughs> and, um, there, there's a bit of a, of a trend there of kind of gritting it out, gutting it out and, and never quitting. Um, at different times was going to depart the military, but here we were 26 years later, uh, retiring as, as a colonel uh, with my last job here in Kansas City, the Kansas City area, as a commander of the Army Corps of Engineers, Kansas City District. Uh, went to Ranger School, Airborne School. Uh, Ranger School, as you know, no, no piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually got recycled twice there, so really went through one and a half Ranger <laughs> Schools, uh, which um, another glutton for punishment. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but I, would say, I would summarize it, a privilege to serve. And my wife, Susan, and our three kids, Nate, Abby, and Kate, as you know, uh, the families uh, do a phenomenal job and are really the unsung heroes in that whole piece. So I, I cannot uh, say to my wife and, and Nate, Abby, and Kate enough of their sacrifices, including deployment. Heck, I missed, the, I missed Abby's birth when I was in, uh, in Iraq for 14 months. So I would say it was a privilege to serve. Uh, it's very fortunate to, to come out um, healthy and, and things like that with, with all the military kind of asks of you. And um, I think the probably the discipline aspect of it does certainly roll back into the running piece. Mm-hmm. As you well know, and all of your athletic accomplishments, including starting in high school, Cole, I've read your bio, um, really – it's it takes work right it mm-hmm. doesn't just happen especially for the type of events of the leadville race series marathon the, the silver rush 50 the mountain bike race the, the leadville 100 
all of that requires effort on the runners to put in. You can't really just show up and, and fake it like you maybe can for a maybe a five or 10 K. So, so I think the processes and discipline of what the military kind of demanded of you certainly did roll into the running piece. The other thing I'm pretty proud of uh, Cole is again, started marathoning in 1990. So it was a constant for me. It was a good stress reliever for me. It was good for me to push myself on the marathon in particular as kind of the chosen venue or chosen event. All of that played into while, while deploying and, and raising a family and doing that running was always a constant for me. And in retrospect, not only good for the physical aspect, but probably for definitely for the mental aspect of it as well. Well, for sure. And now, Tony, you've also found a, a way to combine your running and your military backgrounds both. Um, please tell us about what Warriors Ascent is and Team Leadville and why those are important to you. Sure, Will Cole. Um, and it started with, with the, the Leadville 100 uh, first attempt in 2013 and then, and then making it in 2014. But what that did was it, it hatched an idea for me that, wow, going through that process uh, for the Leadville 100 and being in Leadville because of Leadville, you know, 10,152 feet in the case of Hope Pass, 12,600 feet. Um, it, it hatched an idea for me that, wow, going through that process as a fairly experienced runner, so I'd done, I think, eight Bostons and, and things like that. Um, it, it really pushed you, pushed me to different levels and different um, stressors in a good way. I thought, what about doing a, I've always believed the marathon is somewhat transformational, um, meaning about 1% of the U.S. population or less, maybe it's a half a percent, will ever complete a marathon. So, so in my mind, I thought, what about the Leadville Trail Marathon as a venue to maybe challenge folks who maybe thought they could never do a marathon, but doing it as a team? So, so oftentimes you see different teams, um, great teams uh, like Red, White, and Blue and others that, that have a veteran cause, but I've never seen them doing it as a full team together. Um, so my idea was, how about the Leadville Trail Marathon after experiencing the hundred and going through that process as a team building event. So it really started off first as a challenge to some military members that I, I knew. And that idea was hatched over dinner here in Overland Park, Kansas, where I live in 2014, when some, some of the military folks that, that, that I had recently retired, but was still in contact with went out to dinner. They were doing some training exercises up at nearby Fort, uh, Leavenworth, Kansas, some computer exercises. And over dinner, hatched the challenge for a lot of them uh, that had never even wanted to do a marathon, threw out the idea uh, after a couple beers, of course, when you got to get them loosened up, Cole, um, <laughs> to, to say, hey, have you ever thought about maybe doing a marathon? And, and a few of them bought into that. What I didn't tell them uh, after we departed and I said, hey, I'll get in touch with you. They were going back to their, their duty assignment on the West Coast. Uh, what I didn't tell them was, hey, it's going to be the Leadville Trail Marathon. It's going to be our venue for 2015. Um, but that really started uh, on a whim to really challenge folks to maybe push themselves to do a marathon. 
That led to one of our members, Major Dan Kieser, who has just deployed to Europe uh, with all the things going on with Ukraine this past mm-hmm. week. Um, he's an Army major, active duty. He had the idea, hey, why don't we support a veteran cause if we're going to run this marathon together? That eventually led to me digging deeper coal into the veteran suicide epidemic that was really gaining a lot of national attention around 2016 timeframe. So we completed it with seven runners as a team um, under, wasn't called something else, but it really was Team Leadville, we called it. We raised about $7,500. In 2016, it really took off. And to be quite honest, I was tired of people talking about doing something about veteran suicide. You know, at the time, they said it was 22 push-ups a day. 22 a day committing suicide. Now, now it's more uh, accurate. It's about 17 a day. And no offense to that. It was great for, for getting publicity and maybe people pushing stuff out on social media. But to me, it wasn't taking meaningful action on saving veteran lives. So I linked up here locally with a nonprofit called Warriors Ascent based out of Kansas City that uh, helps veterans and first responders overcome post-traumatic stress through a five-day program, an Academy of Healing. Uh, They have documented results here for the last six, seven, eight years. uh, If folks go through that program, that five days teaches those veterans and first responders what right looks like with respect to nutrition, yoga, meditation, and teaches them the basics on how to overcome post-traumatic stress. Our team will enter its eighth year of running as a team and raising funds for Warriors Ascent in 2022 with your race, the the Leadville Trail Marathon. Uh, It really is, that race, Cole, is a means to save veteran lives. That is our venue. And we chose Leadville for all of the same reasons a lot of your runners and listeners go to Leadville. Um, Endurance, teamwork, and grit. those are the same principles that are necessary for veterans and first responders to overcome post-traumatic stress. Uh, my second book is entitled that for a reason. And to date, uh, our teams have raised $282,000, uh, all mostly individual donors. And that equates to 141 folks, veterans and first responders to go through that program. And I've listened to the testimonies as I go to the various graduations of those Academy of Healings, and, and every time, uh, multiple people say, this program saved my life. So we are on a relentless pursuit, Cole, to stop veteran suicide. It is very neat how we have really leveraged your venue in Leadville to uh, to challenge our runners to do that and, and to accomplish that as a team, all for a very specific purpose to save veteran lives. And I would say this, Cole, we've had uh, 78 marathoners out there at your race. 19 of them have been first-time marathoners. First time. <laughs> first marathon. Leadville Trail Marathon. And we added our, a heavy half portion of our team last year, and we'll, we'll have another portion of that this year. All 19 first-timers and all 78 marathoners have crossed that finish line out there, well, um, which is p- pretty amazing to me, Cole, and it just tells you that those runners, they come ready. We talk about it. We, we somewhat train together, but, but most of them are scattered in four different time zones, and we come together that day, usually the third Saturday in June, 
together to run after having talked. And last night, I just had my first meeting with our second meeting with the 2022 group virtual. Um, it is a tribute to those runners. What we're asking them to do is travel to Colorado, sign up for the Leadville Marathon or Heavy Hat, um, train for either of those events. And oh, by the way, raise up to $2,000 each as a goal. Um, that, that's kind of not mandatory, but we're asking them to give their best effort to, to do that. So we're, and they're doing it. These are the greatest individuals uh, that I, I am associated with, Cole, and I cannot uh, t- tip my hat enough to the runners, their families, and also our individual donors who've done that. So that, that's a lot. Sorry, <laughs> but I, I get passionate about it because uh, they are tremendous individuals doing this on a volunteer basis to save lives. No, that's something I, I really am glad we spent a lot of time on. Uh, emotionally, <laughs> that's one of the most touching parts of my summer, seeing that sea of neon yellow come back down 6th Street into Leadville in triumph together. Um, many of your athletes do not have the body type. Um, a lot of them are the ones people might thumb their noses at at, at an endurance race. And it is just incredible to see that all that come back into town. I think even one time you had Lance Armstrong in tow. Um, how does that feel getting those people back into town and across that line? Uh, amazing. Cool. For, for me, uh, I don't say this selfishly. It's a bigger deal for me to see those that have never even thought they could do a marathon to, to complete that. Um, I'll give you a quick story. One of our original runners, uh, Heather Bain, she was a former army captain, now lives in Denver, uh, struggled uh, the second year. We, we had some heat in 2016. It was about 78 degrees mm-hmm. out there. Very hot day, as you probably recall. Yes. Um, and and I, to be quite honest, I, I didn't think she would, she would come back for another year. Um, and that's okay. We have runners that come back and others that don't. We get new blood and, and, and old blood together, and it's great. She came. She not only came back, but was leading folks up, uh, <laughs> up Mosquito Pass, and 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 I was just in front of her, coming down just after she was going to to approach her dad, who was at the top, and I got to tell you, I, I, there were tears in my eyes behind the sunglasses to see her leading a small group as we got separated a little bit to leading a small group after really really struggling hard the year prior to finish. And, and that, that alone t- just tells you the quality of these folks, Cole, and also your venue uh, of how it really pushes athletes uh, t- to, do, t- t- to do the best they can. Well, yeah, I mean, we've always had that mindset. If you believe in you, by God, we believe in you. So come on out and let's get this taken care of. Absolutely. <laughs> Now you've also we we've mentioned it, but uh, let's dig a little deeper into it. You've also Tony authored a couple books around your Leadville experiences, embracing grit, and embrace teamwork and grit. Heck, you even had my father write the forward. So please give yourself more of a plug. Let us know what we can expect from those pieces and where we can find them. Sure, Cole. Uh, Embracing Grit uh, is the first one. It it really chronicles uh, really how a flatland veteran conquered the Leadville 100 Ultra Marathon. I think there'd be a lot of tips for your listeners in that from a non-elite athlete who at age 48 
uh, had been doing a lot of marathons, but decided to to attempt the Leadville 100. Uh, by the way, as as you know, uh, I know you've read the book. Uh, jumped in from the marathon road racing directly to the Leadville 100. Yeah, uh, there were there was nothing in between. Uh, I would not uh, recommend that for your listeners. Cool. Um, and I had a and I did have a, a deep respect for Leadville. I, I did go in prepared. I, I, it's not like I thought this was not going to be a, an easy journey and things like that. Right. Um, but learned a ton in that first one where I, I didn't meet the cutoff coming back to Twin Lakes and got pulled off at 60 miles. Uh, it, it talks about that experience, and I don't call it failure. Uh, you know, a lot of people would say, was it success or failure? Although. I think you said it uh, when I did hear you speak. You don't want to come back with a, a lame-ass excuse of why you didn't make it. Okay. I, I, I've got that same same crybaby story myself. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but Embracing Grit talks about uh, coming back and making the decision to come back. It was in your lottery, I think the first year of the lottery in 2014, and and, and actually then completing the race in, uh, I think, 29 hours and 31 minutes. That's the first uh, of the of the endurance and grit series. The second one, Cole, endurance, teamwork, and grit, talks about Team Leadville's journey, which I just chronicled on, on how that experience with the Leadville Hundred led to, to the formation of Team Leadville, which then led to the our our, our sole mission of stopping veteran suicide. Um, Really, the takeaway, I think, for your listeners, it's not about me. It's about it's about the process of really getting all volunteer teams on the same page with a distinct purpose. And I think if you talk to our runners, both that have that have done it and come back or chosen not to come back, I think they could say that purpose that is bigger than self, bigger mm-hmm. than self, and putting themselves on that physical and mental journey to save veteran lives is very meaningful and special. And I think as all of your races in Leadville do, it leaves a lasting legacy that they will never forget. Um, and that is one of the values of the Leadville race series that you and your, and, and Ken and Mary Lee have, have really established out there. Well, for sure, for sure. Now, uh, so you did the, the hundred mile yourself first before the marathon, um, and, and you've got the experience of, you know, getting pulled and coming back. Do you have, what are some of your other memories that you've carried from either of those days experiences that you, you'd like to speak to? I think there's a couple, uh, more than a few, uh, Cole. I, I think one is just on the, uh, pushing yourself in, in a good way and learning about nutrition and things like that. Leadville is a different ballgame, as I've heard many of your guests state. Totally agree. It's a different ballgame going to the highest incorporated city in in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It requires a bit of a different plan, especially for something maybe, say, the Silver Rush 50 or the 100 in terms of nutrition and everything else. All of those lessons are taken into, for me, any type of race and preparation for race, whether it's road racing, marathon, or, or ultras, or trail running. I think the other piece that, that stayed with me are just the lessons learned of going through that process. Um, you know, pretty motivated person, I think. Um, gone, got, gone to West Point, Ranger School, all that stuff, it's fine. 
but my point is you're not used to um to not completing something right and the first leadville 100 my first ultra ever i didn't get it done um i didn't look at that as failure i did initially it was kicking the gut because you're not used to not completing something but in retrospect it really was a a lesson in life um so what are you going to do about that are you going to come back uh, there's always lessons learned, good lessons learned in everything you do. Sometimes it just takes a, a little bit of time to maybe decipher that. Uh, oftentimes, I think we get caught up in society that success failure, uh, you know, folks would look at it as, well, you didn't complete the race, but yet somebody who completes a 5K is like, hey, good job. W- wait a minute. You completed 60 on your first ultra in in Leadville. How are you going to take those lessons learned to then to, to your day-to-day life right. as well as maybe your racing life. So, so I think those are the lessons learned for me, Cole, in this process. Well, and I typically ask how Leadville shaped your life beyond race day, but I feel like that might be your biggest uh, message of how it has shaped your life beyond race day. A- absolutely, cool. I, I think um, I'm sure you've heard this on the ultras of 100 or more. It's kind of living a lifetime in a day. Mm-hmm. Um I agree, and, and I think I think it provides perspective in retrospect. There's a lot of training that goes into that, as you well know, especially coming from 900 feet here oh, in, yeah. in uh, Overland Park, Kansas. It's a different ballgame, and that's not an excuse. It is a different ballgame not being fully acclimatized, which takes about you know three weeks to really do. So unless you're out there for three straight weeks, uh, you're not going to be fully acclimatized. So then you say – okay, how are you going to tackle this? What is your process for getting through this for someone who doesn't live at, you know, 5280 or higher? Right. Um, So it really is a lesson in life that, um, one, things don't always get worse. uh, uh, um, And and the handling the highs and lows. So really going through that process of that sort of race, Cole, leaves a lasting legacy with you on a day-to-day basis that, hey, things aren't as bad as they seem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just keep moving forward relentless forward progress and keep keep going forward and things will get better for sure absolutely well and then along these same lines tony my dad always talks about digging deep into your inexhaustible well of grit gut and determination you even tactfully use grit as a part of your title and have explained that to a degree um, what do these words mean to you when you translate that message to your warriors and to your team leadville yeah, I look at, you know, grit is, there's a lot of, it's kind of the, the buzzword now. And, and your dad started, and Marilee started that back in 84, long before it was, uh, you know, getting the publicity of grit. I look at grit, Cole, as putting yourself on a personal journey to challenge your limits, having the discipline to prepare for it, for whatever that journey is but not knowing what that end result is going to be. I think that not knowing what the end result is going to be is a big thing. You know, when you go out to say the Leadville hundred, um, there's no guarantee for success. There's no. not, I mean, you can, you, you do the best you can to prepare, but, but, but the big piece as you and, and, and your father and Mary Lee have said is just making the first thing is a decision to get to the starting line and, and yes. sign up for the race. But, but you're now putting yourself on that personal journey to challenge your limits. But, but if you know what that result's going to be already, um, that, that, that's, not, that's not putting yourself on a journey. 
there is a big question mark of putting yourself on a journey. And I, I think that's what grit and courage really is, is having the, the, the courage and, um, and discipline and, and motivation to put yourself on a journey in the first place. Success or failure, I don't want to, you all, you want to achieve what you start off to do. So don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying you never want to achieve that, but sometimes things just don't go. Your it's not your day, right. but you've, put, but the fact you've put yourself on that journey, that, that's a, that's a lifelong piece because you'll put yourself on other journeys, <laughs> whether it's physical, mental or, or whatever. That's a huge step in in the process of life i think and and, and your race series helps helps folks do that well, yeah once you get on a path of some of these achievements it's very hard to go backwards in life isn't it absolutely absolutely <laughs> well now you've been so close with my dad and mary lee over the years um i'd love to hear what memories you have of that pair Gosh, you know, Cole, I'll be honest, it gets, it gets me pretty emotional. Um, <laughs> you, you may remember this from the first book. I really met your father on the backside of Hope Pass in June of 2014. Yeah. So, so I was training with our son, Nate, uh, on my own and um, getting more used to the train after, uh, after the 2013 piece where I, I didn't finish the Leadville 100. So I went out there on our own and Nate and I were out there training and I, you know, I'd read a lot about about Ken, uh, your father, and, and uh, knew a lot of his history, and and both as a veteran and and uh, a great um, senator, state senator, and, and everything else. Um, and but but you know, I never met him. So here we are on the backside of Hope Pass, uh, heading down after summiting, and I see this guy, and, and it, uh, just automatically blurted out, "Hey, you're Ken Clover." I mean, had never met him, had sunglasses and a hat on and, and the pictures in my book. And he goes, well, yes, I am. Um, and, and, and your dad took the time uh, to, to talk to us for about five, 10 minutes, maybe five minutes on the trail. I think he was marking the trail for, for the Leadville uh, train up for, for the, for the train up that you, you have yeah, uh, for, for your various runners. Um, and it's funny your dad uh, told him about my experience in 2013 and uh, in your dad's fashion said, well, is, is Nate going to pace you? Because dads can't cry going uh, up <laughs> over Hope Pass. And uh, just uh, r- really, really great. That was my first meeting with, with Ken and then later Mar- Mara Lee. Um, the second meeting was finishing the, the 2014 Leadville 100. But, but it was really grown into, I've uh, always very respectful of, of both. They are just great people. Um, I, I will say authentic and, and genuine. Um, you know, I approached your father about supporting veterans and he gets a lot of folks that call him. And I, I distinctly remember in 2017, he returned my call. I was at Logan airport visiting our son in college out in Boston. And I was like, I got to take this call. And, um, and your father supported us. Um, and I know uh, Ken gets a lot of folks calling. So I have never wanted to let Ken or Merrily down on what we do. And uh, they have been tremendous in our help to really to stop veteran suicide. And, and with Ken's experience as a veteran, a Vietnam veteran at that, uh, he has been tremendous. So those are my memories. And just 
authentic and genuine great people, Cole. I cannot speak. Uh, I love them. They are the greatest. Well, thank you very much. I do got to say he wasn't a Vietnam veteran, respectfully to all of our Vietnam veterans. Uh, his brother went to Korea and he got sandwiched in between them. So somehow he eluded that. Um, but if we switch gears here just slightly, um, I want to know what your what advice would you give to our family members of all of your experience, both in the marathon with those veterans and the hundred on your own, that will get them to their finish line this summer? Yeah, there are a few things. Uh, if they're headed to, uh, uh, I assume you're talking about Leadville, Cole. Absolutely. Um, uh, be be respectful uh, of of the of the venue. Uh, that that's first and foremost. I've heard. Uh, a few of your your other guests state that uh, be respectful not maybe not intimidated but respectful yeah. uh, going to 10,152 feet um, c- can do different things t- to your body not in a bad way but you know GI issues gastrointestinal and things like that so I would say be prepared for that path that you have chosen with respect to Leadville second thing is you know study the course Talk to folks like myself or you that have gone through it to gather tips, uh, best tips and best practices prior to going out there to allow you to run your best possible race out in that venue. The other piece, if you're taking a team out there, is it's got to have a leader, Cole. And I think that leader has to inspire confidence and a vision for success. That's what we want out of our leaders. Um, and if somebody's going out there individually, that Leadville family of Ken, Marilee, yourself, um, Quinn Cooper, uh, Michelle Duffy, that family alone will take them under their wing during a particular event, as well as the crowd that gets out there, and they will they will get folks across that finish line. Those would be my k- kind of simple um, pieces of advice for for those that are gonna gonna toe the line in Leadville. Well, those are really good pieces of advice. Now, you being a retired colonel, uh, I want to keep on some logistics, which I don't do as much with my other guests, but I feel like you're a little more structured. Um, When you did the 100 run, did you use a crew and pacers? And if you were to do it again, would you change anything from that model? Great topic. Great topic, Cole. First year, I did have a crew, but we made adjustments the second year. Uh, yes, I would I would recommend a crew. Um, my brother-in-law, Tom, has crewed me. I've been out there three times for the 100, 2013, 2014, and 2016. 2016 didn't, didn't make it, uh, had some issues, got pulled off at seven. Never quit. Never quit. Any Nothing. of them finished in 2014. Uh, yes, and that crew, I think, is vital. I've seen a lot of individual runners out there, and that, that's great. Uh, I, I, I salute them for that effort. I would highly recommend a crew, and I would highly recommend an experienced person, especially at the 50-mile mark in Winfield, to, to have somebody take you back over Hope Pass in particular. That's a yep. change that we probably made forever. Uh, that They're probably not going to be able to have pacers until Twin Lakes. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, that's actually, uh, that's what we've done kind of as an answer to, we've listened to both our athletes and the U.S. Forest Service who've been great partners. 
Um, but we've kind of netted out that without the traffic there, everybody liked it better. So just want to keep everybody clear on that and not something you necessarily should have known yourself. Well, I get that, Cole. And, and you, know, you know what? Um, although, you know, hope is the signature climb for the Leadville 100 run, I think it's it's probably more critical to have them after that 60-mile mark when you get back to Twin Lakes, in particular when you start going up power line around, what, 75, 80, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially for maybe your non-elites. We're not the Matt Carpenters of the world <laughs> or Ann Trasons. Um, when it's dark and, you know, midnight, 2 a.m., and uh, having a pacer at that point, it's cold, it's probably 32 degrees or less. Mm-hmm. It becomes, I think, very important at that point to have those pacers. The other piece, as as you, uh, some of your listeners know, some may not, uh, that crew play, plays, a, that crew has a tough job. I mean, they're oh, yeah. going from point to point. They're figuring out the logistics that are allowed by the Forest Service and the Leadville Race Series. Mm-hmm. They need to be at a particular location and then they need to really service that runner, much like much like a car comes into the Indy pit crew. Of what that they're not going to know what that car needs at a particular time and have to be prepared. They also right. got to be prepared. Probably not you, Cole, but for me, pretty grumpy runners. <laughs> no, I'm um, grumpy. <laughs> you know, where where um, you know they, they may endure a bit of um, you know, maybe throwing some trekking poles or something like I did at one point, uh, where they get a little bit, uh, uh, cranky, but I look at that as the runner still has a lot of motivation. If they can be cranky, they can still crank out a few more miles, but, but I would highly recommend, um, someone that's going to take that on to, to have a crew and to, to really go through in detail, what where they want them mm-hmm. and and kind of what their needs might be what they think their their anticipated needs might be along the way the other thing i would add cole is as a runner really having for that kind of race at that altitude the the, the thing that i really changed in 2014 was having a nutrition plan um there's one thing to be physically fit there's one thing to be trained that nutrition piece is a, is a big difference for that sort of event and that sort of event in particular in Leadville. It's trying to, to dial in what that nutrition plan is going to be. And if you don't have a lot of experience doing that, um, some of it may be a bit of guesswork, but you can try to train to that. The difference, though, is once you get out to that altitude, there is a bit of a question mark sometimes on how you're GI system is going to react and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you read my mind. Diet is my actual absolute next question. But since I threw you off with the pacer thing, I want to go back and tell people, you know, since uh, Tony, you were going to suggest that was an important place. Um, we are suggesting as, you know, a running family, you guys work together and get yourselves over it. And that'll help you just like you have a pacer. But let's get back to this nutrition. So on race day, like what can you give these these uh, family members an idea what your plan looks like? I know they're all different, but is there a certain number of calories you're trying to get between yep. aid stations? Do you do real food, not real? What Take us through that. Sure, cool. By the way, I'm no expert, um, but, but I have learned for, for the ultras that I have done, uh, both 50 and uh, a couple hundred milers, 
completing. So I'm no expert, but but my suggestions are the following, in, in particular for Leadville, about 250 calories per hour, um, how you get those calories. So, so I, I look at it commensurate coal to a fire. You got a fire going. You got to constantly add logs to that fire to keep that fire going. What you don't want to do is extinguish that fire. And, and uh, that will mean you're out of in, in the case of going too fast, out of carbs, our, our bodies have only a certain amount of calories of carbs. What you want to do, as you know, is try to burn fat throughout the uh, throughout the race and never never deplete the, the carbs. Once you deplete the carbs, now your body's searching for another energy source, and that's where it's going to try to go. You hit the wall. You want to avoid that wall altogether by keeping it at a bit of a slower pace. I'm not talking about elite athletes. But keep it at a slower pace, taking in 250 calories per hour, roughly, and then figuring out what those that calorie source is going to be. My suggestion is real food. Um, what I have found in Leadville for me that doesn't work are sugar-based products. No offense to, to those products, but it, it impacts my, my gastrointestinal system. So mm-hmm. I, I would highly suggest non-sugar-based um, a good option is is drinking those calories because it gets into your system much faster than food. But for the duration of a 100-mile event, think of it, okay, it's a 30-hour time cut in Leadville. Are you going to eat the same thing for 30 hours? Right. The answer is probably not. So adding variety, and your aid stations are awesome for that, adding variety along the way and, and – um, and getting used to that in your training on what maybe works for you prior to getting to Leadville. But again, for me, what I found in Leadville, in my experience there, sugar-based is not good for me at that altitude. I can't say that for everybody. So those would be, uh, sorry to get into detail, but I think it's important um, to have a nutrition plan, work that plan as best you can prior to getting out to altitude. I would say, though, be careful about sugar-based products at altitude. No, I love that detail. We that I love giving our uh, family members a base of where to at least get started, and I think this is stuff a lot of them don't always have. So, don't feel bad about digging in too deep. Now, when you're out there, and this is the same on that that marathon for your warriors, or, or the hundred mile for the season pro to the warrior taking on the hundred. What's that key piece of gear you'd tell people to have? Well, I think the one key piece is, is a, a good handheld or vest water bot, water source. Um, again, it's going to be different for different folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, elites not going to probably have a, a full vest. Uh, for for probably non-elites who may even use trekking poles, it's getting a quality vest that you know what you can carry in it. Uh, obviously, less is better, but there, but having a good hydration system, whether handheld or a vest, I think is one of the keys. Good sunglasses, obviously, because of uh, the intense intensity of the sunlight at that at that altitude as well. well I obviously I, what I'm eliminating is your footwear and things like that, which I'm going to assume is is kind of basic for folks, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think my suggestion is always a raincoat. So no, you're right along yeah. the lines of where I'm thinking. So. <laughs> Well, and yeah, I just, you know, it, it gives people a benchmark and a little bit to go off of and, and they're a little more prepared and, and ready to go. 
if I may add, Cole, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but no. uh, it's an important piece for those that are maybe doing, you know, you've got the Silver Rush 50 in, in July and, and the Leadville Trail Marathon, which is, uh, again, our venue for Team Leadville, uh, again, um, we, we kind of look at that as um, fueling like we would for a 100-mile ultra. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not setting ridiculous paces because we have a variety of different, um, you know, faster runners and maybe not so fast runners and we start and finish as a team but what i try to coach my teams on is continuing to keep that fire going and taking in about 250 calories per hour not maybe not as important as it is for 100 but we don't want to we don't want to get them to not be drinking fluids and getting enough calories in and we're a little bit cautious on that especially for first timers but that's how we treat the Leadville Trail Marathon for, well, for, I, uh, for nutrition. I love that campfire analogy for all the events. I mean, that's just a, a real great way of looking at it and something I've actually never heard. So I think that's spot on. Once uh, that fire goes out, it, it, it gets – you can recover, but it gets hard. It gets really tough. Well, yeah, your recovery is going to be you'll get to the line, but not in the condition you could have had it not gone out. Absolutely. So I I think that's very spot on advice. What do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? Well, gee, two words come to mind, Cole, uh, grit and and toughness. I I mean, uh, the other thing I'll add, so many, so many continued memories. Cannon merrily, uh, uh, you know, can at the finish, and can on top of a Mosquito Pass for the Leadville Trail Marathon. Merrily at the finish line with the traditional hug, which he's done, you know, since the inception of that race. Mm-hmm. Uh, the finish line uh, with Team Leadville coming down as a team with the yellow jerseys uh, in line. Uh, one time, a police escort. Mount Massive in the background. The sunrise at the start of races on Sixth and Harris and the clear blue sky, all of those are, are what I think of. And, and the other piece, Cole, when I think of Leadville, I think of Camp Hale and the military uh-huh. aspects of, of that high altitude alpine training that the U.S. Army started in 1942 called Camp Hell by, by the soldiers. Um, you know, the Army picked a great place to have a suck fest <laughs> at Camp Hale. And it trained folks for combat. And um, very few people know about that history that had up to 20,000 soldiers. So so all of those are what I think about Leadville. Well, we absolutely love that. I can't thank you enough for taking this time with me today. It was so much fun to spend with you. Uh, Is there anything else you want to share with our family members before I let you go? Cool. I I think... um, I just want to thank you uh, for all you're doing. Uh, Lifetime Fitness, I'm a member here. There's two, two places here in Overland Park. Yeah. And Alexa. Uh, done, you've done a tremendous job with that partnership. Um, I, I, you know, Quinn Cooper is, is awesome. I know you know that. She, she really yes, has yes. been our interface out there along with Michelle Duffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really I want to thank the, the Leadville family for um, – for integrating us and, 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 and for allowing team led to build to, to be kind of a part of your event. We, we privilege that we don't take it for granted. And we just really appreciate it on behalf of team Leadville and all of our donors. Cole, just wanted to thank you. 
Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we know you're not taking it for granted. It's it's probably the most emotional part of my summer, aside from those finish lines at the hundred, uh, you know, it's right up there with them for sure, if not more. So hope you have a wonderful day. And once again, thank you so very much. Thank you very much, Cole. Take care. There you go, Leadville family. This one uh, is a little more personal than most. Uh, Really love what Tony's up to. It's the kind of thing we should all be doing. My father lives the same way as Tony by saying a purpose of life is a life purpose. Both these gentlemen live that way. I encourage you to go out and do the same. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to give us a subscribe and a like wherever you're getting podcasts. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.